0: Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gamia Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and we're so glad that you joined us again this week. In this week's message, Roxanne Lawler concludes our Plan A Sermon Series, looking at the fifth principle of Plan A, showing up. This principle states that we must rely on God's activity in the lives of those around us. Using Paul's metaphor of jars of clay in 2 Corinthians 4, Roxanne reminds us about our role and God's role in transformation.
1: Hey, today's Bible reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart, rather We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Hi church, it's
2: great to be here with you today. We are continuing on in our Plan A series and we've gone on a bit of a journey and this is actually our last week of the series. Uh, We've looked at growing, growing in our relationship with God. We've looked at knowing, deeply knowing and caring for those around us. We've looked at sowing, which is sowing the seed of the gospel in every place. And we've looked at rowing, deeply loving and caring for those we are in partnership in ministry with. And finally, today we are looking at showing up. Now, showing up as a principle acknowledges that sometimes it's really hard to endure. Sometimes it's tough to persevere and it is hard to tell people about Jesus. But we do it anyway because God is with us. Because ultimately, church, it's not about how, how great we are or how ordinary we are or how good we are at sharing the gospel or how poor we are at that. It's actually all about how good and powerful God is. So church, if you are feeling the pressure and you think you can't show up, you can't share the good news, you can't do what it is that God has called you to do, let me help you because you're right. You can't. And neither can I. And neither could Abraham. Neither could Moses. Neither could David. Neither could any of the disciples or or Paul who writes this letter to the Corinthian church. In fact, the only person in scripture that could share the good news effectively was actually Jesus. He's the only one that can do what God has called us to do. But wonder of wonders, church, he uses us and Jesus invests in us and uses us to share his word to the church around to the, to the world, sorry, around us. It's not about us, it's about him. And all he needs for us to do is just show up, to show up. Now, I really am glad that I got to speak to you about showing up because it's one of the rules in our house. We have a couple of household rules at our place. One of them quite famously is don't go out into the street where there's gunfire, long story. But another one is actually just show up to stuff because sometimes we don't feel like going to events or, or family things, or, or we don't feel like going out. We don't feel like attending uh, youth or, or, or being in a service with other people. But the rule in a house is just show up because that's where relationships are formed. That's, that's where God is at work. That's where memories are made. So, so show up is a really, really big deal for us. Now, that. Passage that was read for us before from 2 Corinthians, I just wanna zone in on this with you and just give you a bit of a a picture of what Paul is doing when he's writing to the Corinthian church. Um, Corinth is a really busy seaside town with not one, but two ports, uh, a massive transient traveling population. It had a huge market where anything could be bought and sold. Any God you wanted to worship, including the emperor, was there. It was a really, really ungodly place. And actually, I really resonate that it's a bit like modern day Sydney. And Paul is finding it super difficult to preach the gospel there. He's finding it hard to share the good news. And he's finding it difficult to shore up the church community. And he uses a great metaphor for what it's like for him to be a minister of the gospel there. And in chapter four, he talks about what he's aiming to do. In chapter four, verse one, he says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. And oh man, I resonate with that because sometimes I lose heart. Um, But Paul, like us, has been given a role by God. He's a minister of the gospel because he's been saved and God has tasked him with a ministry and he's not to lose heart. And then in verse two, he says that what he is doing is setting forth the truth plainly. Paul isn't um, changing the gospel to fit Corinth. He knows the answer for Corinth is the gospel. He's not mucking around with it. He's sharing the truth really plainly with them. And then in verse five, he goes on to say, for what he preaches is not he himself, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul knows that it's all about Jesus and yet it's difficult, yet it's hard for Paul and for us and he says in the in the reading we had before he says he has this treasure in jars of clay he's describing himself as a jar of clay and the corinthians would have been really really familiar with this because they used clay jars or containers everywhere they were everywhere they're a multi-purpose item they were easily purchased and very easily broken and they were used for all sorts of things, from maybe storing water to storing grain. When they broke, they used to write their shopping lists on them. Um, and I guess if we had to think of a modern equivalent to what a clay jar would be, it wouldn't be fancy Tupperware or a carved box. It would be more like those, uh, those containers that, that I sometimes buy from the Chinese takeaway uh, with a little lid and a flimsy little bit of plastic. And after you've had your takeaway, you take it home, you wash your container and you reuse it. And eventually it ends up in the garage holding your nuts and bolts or something. So that's the kind of thing that Paul all is talking about. It's the ordinariness of a clay jar. And we know about this because archaeologists have found a whole bunch of them. And one of the interesting things that they've found is they've, um, in archaeological tells, they've dug right down and found clay jars filled with coins and gold that have been buried and, and lost. And I guess in Corinth and in those times, if you didn't have a bank What you would do is you take all your coins and your gold and you'd go out to the field and you'd walk five big steps from the big tree in the corner. And you would dig straight down and you'd put your clay jar filled with coins underground and you'd keep it there nice and safe. And suddenly that's your bank. That's uh, that's where you keep it. And it's in fact probably a clay jar like this that Jesus talks about when he tells the parable of the treasure in the field don't know if you remember that parable, but Jesus talks about a man who finds a field and, and there is treasure hidden in the field. And he's so excited that he goes and, and sells everything. He comes in and, and buys that field. That's probably what he's talking about. Another thing we know about those clay jars is scripture was stored in those clay jars. And very famously um, in the Quamaran Caves, uh, they were found small fragments little scrolls or rolls of scripture were found in these caves. And they're known to us now as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they were put into these clay jars to keep safe and put into a cave. And lo and behold, we have them now. And they contain, I think it's fragments from every book of the Hebrew Bible apart from Esther, literally the word of God in clay pots. But probably in Corinth, there were two really big features for these these clay jars. They were used for water because water went in and it stayed nice and cool through the process of evaporation and they were able to drink sweet, cool water in a hot climate. And the other thing, they had very, very thin jars which they filled with oil and a wick and they used them to walk around at night to light their way. So they were out and about and they were visible. And here's my first point in the jars of clay. Clay is normal. It's ordinary. Now, I don't know if you have ever dropped an entire tray of enchiladas before a dinner party in a clay tray straight out of the oven like I have, but let me assure you, clay is breakable. It's very breakable because clay jars are thin, they're fragile and it's not an accident that we're compared to them. We're fragile, we have brittle and thin places, we have weaknesses, hurt places, places of human frailty. And there are parts of us where we struggle. This year, probably more in particular, there's probably a great big 2020 shaped crack in all of our clay jars. And Paul compares himself and us to these fragile, brittle clay jars and he describes the pressure he feels as a minister of the gospel in ungodly Corinth. And he says this in verse eight, he says, we are hard pressed on every side. Now hard pressed, if you can imagine a fragile brittle clay pot being hard pressed on every side, you'd think it would break. But he says, no, we're not crushed. We're not crushed. And he says, I'm I'm perplexed, he says. My clay jar is perplexed. I don't know which path to take. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to shore up the church. I don't know how to see Jesus in Corinth. And he says, but but I'm not in despair. And he says, I'm persecuted. And this word persecuted is almost to be pursued or or chased by an enemy, to be to be hunted. He says, I'm I'm persecuted, but I haven't been abandoned. And then he goes on, he says, I'm struck down. I'm thrown down, I'm struck down. And you'd think he'd break, but he's not not destroyed. And there's a sense in this passage that, that God is supernaturally holding Paul together. And that's true of us as well, that God is supernaturally holding us together in the midst of our trouble. God is surrounding and holding us clay pots so that we're not crushed, we're not abandoned, we're not destroyed, we're not in despair. And church, I read this and sometimes I identify, but mostly I don't feel that. Mostly when I share the gospel, I'm not crushed. I'm just uncomfortable. Well, we may be weak, but but he's strong and that's okay. It's okay to be fragile. It's okay to be a clay pot. It's okay to be weak because God knows that. He knows that. Maybe some of us are a bit too thick. Maybe we're a bit too self-protected. Maybe there's lumps and inconsistencies in our character and wonder of wonders, God uses that too. Because point two, it's not about the clay jar. It's what's inside that counts. It's about the treasure that God has invested in us, that God has placed in us. This gospel, this salvation, this Holy Spirit, this fellowship and kinship with one another. It shows that the all-surpassing power, says Paul, is from God and not from us. This all-surpassing power. And that word power that Paul uses, this is the same word in the Greek that we get our English word dynamite from. Paul says that the all-surpassing dynamite, the dynamic power, is that's in us. That's what God has given us. And it's that power that God uses to to build his kingdom, to spread his glory, to save the lost, to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted, um, to restore and renew the world. Now, in the paradox of the kingdom, the the great upside-down economy of God, which I absolutely love, Paul, Uh, writes about this, about how God chooses to use the weak so that he has the glory, so that God is glorified, that he can be strong. And later on in this letter, in in chapter 12, Paul will talk about a thorn in his side. And he says that that he has a, a thorn in his side. Now, to know about what it would be like, it sounds really hard for Paul to be preaching the gospel in Corinth. And it would be so much better if God could just remove whatever the pain is, we don't know what the pain is, but whatever it is that was bugging him, that was stopping him from doing ministry. And so Paul, in my opinion, quite rightly, prays about it and says to God, God, take away this thorn in my side, this, this thorn in my flesh, take it away. And he does that three times. And the answer that Paul gets back from God is really weird. Because God says, no, no, I'm not taking away the thorn in your side. I'm not taking away the pain. You're not going to be more effective if I do that. He says, because my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul has learnt then to delight in his weaknesses and the fact that he's a brittle clay pot, to delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God is at work in us, even fragile, broken, brittle or thick creatures like we are. It's not about us. It's about the power of God in us. And all we have to do is show up and trust him. My point three on this section is where is your jar located? Where's that jar of clay with the power of God? Where is it? Because we're not called to be like a bank. We're not called to put all the goodness of God uh, and then go out to the corner of our field and walk five steps and dig deep and, and put our clay jar filled with that treasure down into the ground to keep it safe keep the gospel safe, protect the gospel. That's not what we're called to do. We're not a bank. And likewise, we're not called to be like the Dead Sea Scrolls in the cave in Qumran. We're not called to know fragments of every book of the Bible, little parts of them. Oh, keep it safe. Put it in a clay jar, put it in a cave. We're not called to be doing that either, to be hidden away just for a select few, to know it's there. We're called to be more like, the Corinthian clay jars to be that cool water of refreshment. We're called to be like the, the, the thin, brittle jar with the wick and the oil, being like the light wherever we go. Because it's what is inside that counts. God holds us together. He holds us together. He gives us this sustaining power to hold us together. And that supernatural dynamite that says only He can do it. He knows we're a clay jar. He knows we are weak, but He chooses to use it because when we are weak, then we are strong because we're relying on God. So, what does this mean for us, church? What does this mean for a clay jar? If we've got the knowledge of God, we've got the light of the gospel, we've got the, the the inside of the Holy Spirit. Well, it means we need to show up. We need to get out of the cave, get out of the ground. We need to be walking around. We need to show up. One of the things you'll often hear from our church is that we're, we're um, listening to God and we're gonna partner with God in the renewal and restoration of all things. And we want to be listening out to where God's invitation is so that we can partner with God. And so that's my question for you is where is God inviting you to? Where is God asking you to show up? Where are you gonna show up this week? And that's three ways that I think you might be able to show up. May i start with P. So that's helpful if you're one of those people like me who can't remember anything unless they all start with the same letter. The first one is pray. Pray, ask God, where can I show up? What is it that you want me to do? A few weeks ago, we had a My Story moment where one of our elders, Ron Clark, came and shared with us a practice that he does every day. And I actually think it's a brilliant thing. He says that every day he gets in his car and before he even turns on the ignition to go wherever he says, he says, God. If there's somebody that you want me to talk to you today, will you bring them across my path? If there's someone that I can share the gospel with or just be kind to, will you let me know who they are? And he opens up his day and asks God to, to be with him. I think that'd be a great practice for all of us. I think we all need to get sticky notes and stick it on our dashboard that says pray because we want to ask God. We want to partner with God in what He's doing. Uh, we want to show up. So let's ask for those divine appointments and be on the lookout for them. And that's our second point, is the prompt. P for pray, P for prompt. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, this might be completely foreign to you. You might have been following Jesus for a long time and and hearing from him in the word, which is wonderful and a very good thing. But sometimes the Holy Spirit does speak to us and give us little promptings that we need to incline our ear to and pay attention to and take seriously. They might be... uh, somebody's name who just keeps coming across your mind and you can't get them out of your head. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something about that. Maybe there's somebody that you haven't thought of for a long time and their name just floats up to the surface. Let me encourage you, if that happens to you, why don't you, why don't you be brave and take that as maybe a prompt from the Holy Spirit and send them a text, pick up the phone, give them a, give them a call. It doesn't have to be weird. It just could be a little, hey, been thinking about you. How are you going? Kiss, kiss, rocks. That's the way I do it. You don't have to do it that way. You do it your way. But the point is to listen to the prompts because I've had that. I've had these prompts of the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, they turn out to be quite accurate. There was one time where I was driving along um, and I'd stopped at a light and um, I got a message saying, um, can, you, can you call me? And I thought, yeah, I'll do it when I get home. Um, I'll I'll call this person when I get home. I'll text them when I get home. But I had this prompt of the Holy Spirit and this pressing. It was on me and on me and on me. And I could hear um, something in my chest and a little voice in my head saying, pull over, pull over, pull over, call this person, call this person. And eventually I thought, okay, okay. if that's you, God, I will do it. And so I pulled over, even though it was inconvenient, I pulled over and spoke to the person and they said, I need to come and see you fantastic. And there they were at you know, nine in the morning the next morning. And she came in and said, I'm at the end of my rope. I've got nothing left in the tank. What I need is Jesus. Will you help me become a Christian? And I, that was not my power. <laughs> there is no way that that was anything to do with me. I was the, the clay jar. I was the broken little clay jar that just decided to show up to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and and God's dynamic power saved her and her family. And and this lady has been following Jesus and walking with him as, as a disciple ever since. So church, let me encourage you, take those prompts seriously. They're a little scary, but maybe God's in it. So listen to the prompt. And the third P I've got for you is how do we roll this out? Well, it's press in, it's press in. Because for some of you, you've been praying for your unsaved friends, your unchurched family, uh, people that that you know. Let me encourage you that that Paul thought it was hard. Um, He's given us this metaphor that we have this dynamic power in this jar of clay. Let me encourage you to keep going, to keep pressing in. Some of you have been praying and fasting for years for people because you want to see them come to faith. Let me say they're not immovable because God can do it. We can't but God can. So show up anyway. Be the light anyway. Be the refreshing person that they need in their life. God's got this. So church, as we come to the end, I just want to say that there's no plan B. There's only a plan A. That's all there is. There's us partnering with God to see lives changed by Jesus. So church... We need to grow in our faith with God. We need to know others sincerely and honestly. We need to sow that message everywhere we go. We need to do that in partnership with others and love deeply in our rowing together. And we need to show up because it's not about us. It's actually about Jesus. So let me pray for us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you that you have described us as jars of clay. And, and Lord, sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel that we can't. But Lord, we rest in the knowledge that you can. God, we rest in the fact that, that you are powerful and you are mighty and you have this um, all-surpassing power that you have invested in us. So God, I pray that you would help us to be brave and to show up. I pray that you would help us as a church to be those who are a light and refreshment to those around us, that people might come to know you, Lord Jesus. We just right now think of the people that that you're bringing to our minds who are far from you, who maybe have turned away from you. and, And Lord, we lift them before you and ask that you will speak to them. And if you choose to do it, speak to them through us. What an honour, what a blessing. And so, Lord, we ask that you will continue to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine for your kingdom, your power, and your glory. Amen.
0: In the work of evangelism, we are called to allow the power of God in us to refresh those around us and to be the light that others see. Our responsibility is to pray, to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and press in, or in Plan A language, show up. And that's plan A, growing in our relationship with Jesus, knowing others, sowing seeds in conversation and looking for interest, rowing with others, and showing up. Five principles that make evangelism more holistic and simple. So let's participate with God and see what he might do in the lives of those around us. Plan A is a simple set of principles developed by Belinda Lakeland, Evangelism Consultant for the Baptist Association of New South Wales and ACT. We hope you join us again soon, and we'd love for you to join us for church at gbconline.org.au at our regular service times of 8.30, 10.30, and 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can also follow us on Facebook or visit our website at guyneobaptist.org.au. Until next time, God bless.